0: Thank you for listening to this message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron
1: Bietti. Give it up for Tim Drisdell. Oh. Yeah. see you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. so Sounds so. good. Sounds good. You killed it. You killed it. Sorry. <laughs> How many of you remember Tim? For those of you that don't know Tim, he was our worship leader for many years, and now he's up north. And so, uh, let him know your appreciation. I'm going to tell you right out of the gate today, I forgot my belt. <laughs> Keep your cameras handy, this could go viral real well. <laughs> I'll have it next service, but I don't have it this service. And uh, when, when God gave out rears, I didn't get one. And uh, it doesn't keep my pants on real well, but that now that I got your mind on that, uh, we're going to have a good day. We're going to start a new series. We're going to start talking. I'm going to watch the clock. How you like our podcast every Tuesday? It's going to, this Tuesday, this Tuesday we're talking about flying saucers and aliens. Just leave it there. Just leave it there. Father God bless this and anoint it make something out of it in Jesus' name and everybody can say amen. amen. Our series is called Hidden Things Matter. Very rarely do you see the real person. People don't show their inner struggles and their inner stresses. You only see what they want you to see. You go on a first date, second date, maybe even third, you're going to see what they want you to see. When we come to church, we allow people to see what we want them to see. When we go to work, social events. There's a story in the Old Testament about Moses when he came down off of the mountain of being with God. See when you're in God's presence, you radiate. Did you know that? Do you know God can cause you to radiate? You can actually tell when someone has been in God's presence. Well, Moses comes down from the mountain. And he's radiating, his face is even glowing, but he doesn't know it at first, and the people go, whoa, 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 what's the matter, my, your face, your face, you're glowing, and, and he kind of dug it, he goes, it is? Whoa. and so, man, he kind of got into it, it kind of felt good, man, my face is glowing because I've been in the presence of God, and it says it began to dissipate, the glowing did, because, see, you have to keep going back into God's presence to get that glowing, it doesn't last forever. It has a shelf life. You have to keep going back. Well, when it started dissipating, Elijah afraid, or Moses afraid that they were going to see the dissipating glory, he put a veil over his face, and he hid his face from them because he wanted them to see him a certain way. Today, things are much the same. When things aren't going well, it's so easy to put a mask on. We don't know what people are going through today. They're hurting. A lot of us came with masks on. We might have rehearsed before we got here. Good morning, how are you? I'm great, hallelujah, and how are you, you know? Because we think that's the way it's supposed to be. I did this sermon on Moses years ago, and uh, I talked about how some of us have a whole closet full of stuff. Like the Kern County Fair is coming up, so we want to be a cowboy. So we get our cowboy hat out and our wranglers, man, and we get a certain walk. We start practicing for the fair, you know. <laughs> we have our dating suits on in the closet, and we have our professional wolf and shepherd shoes and our gold chain when we want to look a certain way. And, and, and we just, you know, we know how to hide the inner stuff. We know how to give off this vibe of who we want people to see us as, or how we want them to see us as. See, when you put a mask on, now Moses put a veil on, but when you have a tight mask on, sometimes it muffles the way you talk. You don't get a clear message when you have a mask on. It's when you take it off that your message becomes clear. There's such power in transparency, we don't see it much. But it can be all so powerful and it can be so refreshing. I used the example years ago because it stuck with me. It was a defining moment. As I watched a politician on TV come clean about something and the, the, the news people were asking him questions like, uh, uh, what are you going to say to your constituency? What, what are you going to say to the people who voted for you? He said, I, I can't say anymore. I, I messed up. I'm broken. I made a mistake and I will forever be sorry for it. But what about people who voted for you? I just told you. I'm sorry. I'm broken. I made a mistake. Everybody's broken. We come to Christ broken. And then he has to start fixing us up. See, it's so easy sometimes to judge other people because they're weak in an area where you're strong at. But then vice versa also. They're weak in an area where you're strong at But in an area you're weak at, they probably are strong. We're all in this boat together. Nobody has a right to look down their nose at anybody else. We're all a bunch of sinners in need of God's saving grace. Is that true? All of us. All of us. And so we have to learn to be a little more transparent sometimes if we want to be healed. See, some of you today are living with stuff and and no one sees the stuff you're living with. And there's no pressure on you to deal with it because it's hidden. In fact, some of you don't know how to deal with it. That's why you just keep it inside. You have no clue. Because no one sees it or knows about it, You, you just live with it. There might be people here today who are living with a fear of dying. Elijah, we'll see in our text today, this great man of God had a fear of dying. It's okay. Talk about it. It's okay. Maybe you have the fear of a child or loved one dying, and you live with that day and night, man. Just, you, you stress all the time. Maybe it's jealousy with a spouse. You just, just know they're cheating on you, and this is in here all the time, and you, you keep it hidden, but, oh, spirit of discontentment, a spirit of disappointment and regrets, you know, your past marriage, if that had only worked out. And this is turning your wheels all the time. And, and uh, your past job, why didn't I stay there? Why did I take this job? I didn't go to school. I should have got my education. Man, I would, I'd be a lawyer today. I would be a doctor today. Depression. Oh, that's where we're going to go here in the next week or two. I, depression's eating us alive. Josh, my son, you heard. He told the men's retreat. He went away for 30 days. I knew. I knew that Josh was dealing with this for a decade. He came to me one day and said, I just want to be happy, Dad. But he had the guts to stop everything and go away. He said, I'm going to get it fixed once and for all. And he was very transparent. I'm not telling you anything he has not said on the video we just played. And he said it at the men's retreat. Stuff that we we keep down. Depression is like a dark tunnel. takes everything you have just to get up in the morning. And it's an illness. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's an illness. It needs to be healed. We see life going on, but it's not happening for us. Everything is dark. It's real dark. It's a terrible place to be. I have life, but I can't enjoy it. Oh. See, You live with this stuff day and night, and you don't get help for it, because in your mind, you don't even know if there is help for it. You, some of you have sold yourself on the fact that this is just life. When you're in depression, something good happens, and, and you get up for just a moment, and you think, whoa, things are getting better, and boom, it hits you again. And you go right back in the cave again, in the darkness. Uh, two of the, that, the, the most joyous people I know in the last decade or two, just revealed to me in the last year or two that they have been locked in depression for decades and have thought about suicide. And these people on the outside are some of the most happy people I thought I knew. And I had no idea. If we have no idea, we can't minister to one another, we can't help one another. Some of you might live with loneliness. You hate the way you look, the fear of cancel culture perfectionism. I go on and on, but here, here's a key verse, and you know this verse, James 5 and 16 in the Living Bible. Admit your faults to one another, and then pray for one another so that you may be what? Yeah. What? It says here confession and prayer can heal you. Yeah. This is important. I'm going to come back to this. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. Today, let's start conversation. Let's talk about some of these things. I want to look at the life of Elijah, the great man of God. And we're going to see in his life that he suffered from at least five things. He suffered from depression, fear of dying, disappointment, false expectations, and delusionment. Now, that's just five I pulled out off the top of my head. Now, Let's give you kind of a backdrop. Ahab is the king of Israel, and he was a very wicked king. He was married to a woman by the name of Jezebel. She was the daughter of a king of Sidon, uh, a Phoenician descent. She was a princess of of, of a Canaanite nation. She worshiped false gods and idols. And when she came into the marriage, she brought her false gods and idols with her. It wasn't long until she wore her husband down, and he was worshiping false idols and false gods also. And as a result, the nation Israel started worshiping false gods and idols. God sees this nation of Israel backsliding and he raises up a man named Elijah. He says, I want you to show them the real God. The real God. I believe today God is raising up men and women all over our nation to show people the real God. We have backslidden. I'll never forget the day that I was sitting in my car, and I know this is redundant, but I said, God, I'm going to quit today. I'm through. I'm finished. Unless you give me a miracle right here in this car, I'm through with ministry. I'm not any good for this. It's not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I told you, I took my Bible, I prayed, and I said, God, I'm going to do something that I would never tell anybody else to do, but I'm going to do it one time. I'm going to open Scripture, and if it doesn't say something miraculous to me about staying in ministry, I'm quitting. And here's what I opened to. Galatians 1, 15, 16, even before I was born, God chose me and called me by His marvelous grace. Then it pleased Him to reveal His Son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. (laughs) He wanted to reveal His Son to me so I would reveal Him to you. America has a form of godliness, but we've denied the power of the real deal. It's time to come back. So along comes Elijah. Elijah. In chapter 18, Elijah is called to to show the people of Israel that there's a real God, and that they're they're worshiping false gods. So Elijah calls for a showdown on Mount Carmel. He says, we're going to see who the real God of Israel is. We're going to have a contest between your so-called gods and the real God that I serve. And so he said, all you false prophets, meet me on Mount Carmel for a showdown so 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah show up. He's, here's the rules of the game. We're going to take an oxen for you, an oxen for me. You cut up your oxen in little pieces, put it on an altar. I will cut up my oxen, put it in little pieces on an altar. You call on your gods to bring fire out of heaven and devour the ox. I'll call upon my god to call fire out of heaven and, and burn up my sacrifice. And the god who answers, that's the real god and we should all serve him. Real simple. Real simple. I got into this. One day I was out uh, with some Jehovah Witnesses and, and our Mormons, I forget what, and I was sitting there and we were arguing. I finally said, you know what, let's, let's do what Elijah did on Mount Carmel. Let's ask the real God to come down right now. Right now. Let's ask him to come down and you know what, he'll slap you in the face if you're wrong. He'll slap me in the face if I'm wrong. He can do that. He can slap people. I know he can. And they said, we want none of this. They, they left. They left. And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. I have a tendency of getting on spiritual roles and when I do, watch out. Uh, so so let, let, let's go Elijah. he, he says, These, "This is the rule rules of the game. So the contest began. He, he let them go first. They cut up their rocks, put in the altar, and it says that they called on their God Baal from morning until noon, and nothing happened. Now, Elijah's on a roll, and I'm going to tell you more about this in a while. He's on a spiritual roll, man. He's drunk in the spirit right now. And he begins to mock them. He says, hey, maybe your God is occupied. Maybe he took a trip today and went on a journey. Perhaps he's taking a nap and you need to try to wake him up. (laughs) He's over there, really? I mean, this is not safe, Elijah. This is crazy. But he's on a roll. He's drunk in the spirit. He's getting caught up in the moment i've done that and this is going to make sense in the end but sometimes when i get on a roll man and i get drunk up here in the spirit you don't know what i'm going to do one day i was preaching years ago and somebody fell over on the aisle out there and everybody's like, oh call an ambulance they were running to call an ambulance and i was on a roll i walked back and i said right now in jesus name wake up sister wake up I said, watch this. Everybody watch this. Watch what happens. Wake up, wake up, wake up. And she got up and looked around started praising God. And as I looked back and I thought, what if she hadn't have done anything, what would you have done? <laughs> and they called an ambulance out. I remember the story very well. And they looked at her. She was in perfect shape. They didn't even take her to the hospital. She was fine. I, uh, and then the people around me told me she was dead, man. She was already turning blue. Whether that was true or not, I don't know. I get caught up in the moment Sometimes. Uh, like the one time I got up and said right now somebody in here, and this was a small group of like 30 people, I, somebody God just told me has a doctor appointment at 2 o'clock Tuesday come up here right now I'm going to pray for you and then I sat there waiting and then I thought Why did I have to say two o'clock Tuesday? Why couldn't I just say someone has a doctor appointment? So somebody came out crying. My appointment's two o'clock Tuesday. Uh, I've been at altar calls and going. Five more need to be saved, and doggone, I'm going to sit here and we're not going to end service till those five come forward. And boom, 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 boom. they come forward. You know, you look back and you go, What were you thinking? And why I need to say that because I think that's what's going to happen to Elijah here. And so he was drunk in the spirit. He was on a roll. Now, his taunting just made things worse. Maybe he's on a journey, your God is. Maybe he's taking a nap and you need to wake him up. You know, Maybe he's on the toilet. That's what one verse says. Maybe he's on the toilet and he can't come and answer your prayer right now. It made it worse. So they became more desperate to get God's attention. So it says they started crying louder and louder all the way until the evening time. And they took knives and they started gashing themselves until blood was just spewing out. They were really desperate. Evening came, still no answer. It was Elijah's turn. And you all know what happened. But he's on a roll, right? This guy's on a roll. When you're on a roll, you do crazy things. He's OK, it's my turn now. Before I even call for fire out of heaven for my sacrifice to be burnt, I'm going to throw some water on it. Here, give me some more water. Throw. I want you to put a puddle around here. I'm going to make it really difficult, you know. Uh, he had a lot of faith right now. I mean, God has spoken to him. And he was, he was definitely on a roll. And so, God answers his prayer. Look at 1 Kings 18, 37 through 39. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God. And that you're turning their hearts back to them. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate on the ground and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Let's read the same passage in the Message Bible. When it was time for the sacrifice to be offered, Elijah the prophet came up and prayed, O God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make it known right now that you're the God in Israel and that I'm your servant and that I'm doing what I'm doing under your orders. As you it's under your orders, he had ordered him to do that. That's what he thought. Remember, faith comes from hearing, hearing from God, and faith is strong. So he's operating in faith. Answer me, God. Oh, answer me and reveal to this people that you're God, the true God, and that you're giving these people another chance at repentance. Immediately the fire of God fell and burned up the offering, the wood, the stones, the dirt, and even the water in the trench. And all the people saw it happen and fell on their faces in awed worship, exclaiming, God is the true God. He is the true God. Now he's on a roll. Say with me, he's on a roll. He takes all the false prophets, takes them down to the Crete, and kills hundreds of them. Kills them. Now keep in mind that these prophets are the personal prophets of wicked Queen Jezebel. She's not going to like this. After he kills the false prophets, he tells King Ahab, You better grab some lunch, because my same God's told me that there's a storm coming. You're going to have to get down the hill pretty quick, so grab some lunch. And then he goes to Mount Carmel, and we're told that he puts his face between his legs, and we assume that he prays. I don't know what else he would have been doing in that position, but we assume he prays. And so he starts praying, and we believe he's praying, and he tells his servant while he's praying, now go look and see if there's any clouds over here. And the servant runs over to the side of the mountain, looks down at the sea, and goes, nope, no clouds, no clouds. He said, prayed again. No clouds, prayed again. No clouds, you know how it went. Seventh time the servant came back, there's a cloud about the size of a man's hand that's coming out of the sea. Do you understand this yet? When you get a person that's really tied into God, a person who's really a trooper for Christ, a real disciple, when they feel something's God's will, they will pray and pray and pray. They won't stop praying until it happens. I don't know how many times I feel someone's supposed to be healed. And I say, you're supposed to be healed. And I'll pray nine times. Go away. I'll pay Go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. And I'll just keep problem. Well, let's do it again. What? Didn't, no pain. You still have pain? Let's do it again. You still have pain? Let's do it again. You still have pain? Let's do it again. That's not uncommon. And so there's a cloud the size of a man's fist. And soon the sky grows black, clouds, wind, and rain. Now, Elijah is so hyped. I mean, can you imagine? He's just called fire out of heaven. He just made it rain. And he's so excited that he decides to go to Jezreel too. And so he runs faster than Ahab's chariot. He passes Ahab's chariot on the way to Jezreel. I mean, they wore sandals in those days, right? They didn't have Nikes. Do you know this was between 20 and 30 miles away? This is approximately the same distance as the Boston Marathon. And he runs. Now stay with me. When Jezebel finds out what Elijah did, she freaks out and she says, send a messenger to him and tell him he is dead meat. He's toast by tomorrow this this time. He's toast. He's done. Now you'd think this man of God, after this role, would say, hey, I'll I'll just call the same fire out of heaven and devour you, lady. You would think he would have done that. But something's going on here. Something's going on that we're going to talk about in a moment. And so, he lets fear settle in. Look at verse 3 and 4 in chapter 19. And he was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Now, he's already went to Jezreel, now he's going to Beersheba. This guy's putting some miles on his feet right here. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He's still traveling. He's moving one place, next place, next place. He he couldn't stay in one place. He'd get there and say, i got to keep running. i got to get further and further. So he goes a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. This was really a bush. It's an overstatement to say it was a tree. It was a bush. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it's enough. It's enough, God. Take my life. Now catch this phrase right here. I am not better than my father's. We'll talk about that in a moment. He's a tired guy. He has to be. By the time this story ends, he has ran over 100 miles. And he had to stop and eat along the way. He is one tired man. Let's look at verses 4 through 10. But he himself went a day's journey in the wilderness, came and sat under a juniper tree, said, let me die, it's enough, for I'm not better than my father's. He lay down and slept. Is that what you do when you're depressed? Sleep a lot, don't you? He lay down and slept. He wanted to die under the juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him, and he said, rise and eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones, a jar of water. He ate and drank and went back to sleep. He's still depressed. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Rise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he came there to a cave, lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now we're going to come back to that, okay? He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. (laughs) I'm all there is. And now they're seeking my life to take it away too. Oh, God, just kill me. I want out of here. Now, I don't know if we'll get to all this today, unpack all this today, but we're going to start unpacking some of it. Here's a guy who is totally burned out, a man of God. He's living with a gamut of emotions inside of him. He's in desperate need of healing. Let's unpack a few of these things today, and we can always come back next week. But let's look at a few things here. The number one thing I want to draw your attention to is he had a wrong self-assessment. He says in verse 4, he's taken my life, for I'm no better than my father's. What does he mean by that phrase? I think he meant one of two things. Number one. He said, my fathers, as holy and as righteous and as good preachers as they were, they couldn't get this nation to repent, and neither can I. I'm no better than them. I thought I was anointed. I thought the fire out of heaven trick and all that would do it. It didn't do it. I'm no better than them. I can't do this job. Or he might have meant this too. He might have said, I'm no better than my fathers. They all started out on fire And they all quit and gave up, and that's exactly what I'm doing today. I'm through, God. At any rate, he did a self-assessment, and he came up short. Gang, anytime you do a self-assessment, you're going to come up short. Apostle Paul said, I'm the worst sinner of all of them, man. I'm telling you here today, we have to learn to live by grace. Do the best you can do. Do the best you could do to serve God. And when you still come up short, you say, God, let your grace cover. Grace is undeserved favor. <laughs> God, I didn't do very good today, but spit on the ground. But let your grace cover me, because I never deserved any of this anyway. You're never going to feel good about yourself. You're never going to feel good that you're doing the job that God's put you on the earth to do. Let me me remind you, every time you invite someone to church, oh, that's powerful. You don't know how powerful that is. How hard is it to invite someone to church? When you invite someone to church, they're thinking about that maybe for the rest of their life. I mean, that's crazy. When you pray for someone, every time you pray for someone, God does something. Every time your neighbors see you get up in the morning and, and, and dress up like we're dressed up, and they see you get in your car and leave for church, you are saying something to them. You're doing something that God can use for his glory. Just little things. But if you're always doing self-assessments, you're never going to make the grade that you think you should make. God takes every little thing you do, every little thing you say, and he makes it bigger. Just keep on doing what you're doing. That's what I'm going to tell you today. Keep on doing what you're doing That leads me to number two, Elijah, I believe, this is my opinion, did some unhealthy introspection. Because I know human nature, I'm going to throw this one in, I think I can be right on with it. I believe Elijah probably, because this is what depressed people do, probably sat and went, what in the daylights was I thinking when I killed those prophets? what was I thinking? Why did I have to make fun of them up there on Mount Carmel? Why? You idiot. You just mess up everything you do. I just want to die. I want to... I know human nature. Satan's tricks are never new. The more you're used by God, the more he wants you to quit. I had some time to spare the other day, and I didn't know what to do. I went into Barnes Noble, and I picked up a book by... A pastor of one of the largest churches in America. And he wrote a book on depression. And I'm looking at this book. And he began to share some things, and I couldn't believe I was reading what I was reading. He talked about cows and rumination, and how that cows, you know, they they chew their cud. They eat it and they bring it back up and chew on it for a while. They eat it, swallow it, bring it back up and chew it for a while. And uh, I couldn't believe it when I read in in Hodges' book that he had the same habit I had years ago. I didn't think anybody. I thought this was, was distinct. I thought it was just to me. I didn't think anybody else did it. Here's a pastor of one of the biggest churches in America. He said, I'd preach on Sunday and I'd get the spiritual high, man. I'd pray for people and see them heal. I'd do all this stuff. And see, after a spiritual high, after you have a spiritual high, you better watch for the spiritual letdown because it's right on the hills. I preached to a conference of pastors about this big, these first two rows, years ago. And I said, Does anybody in here know about the Sunday night blues? And they all started laughing. Sunday nights. My wife has to watch what she says. I have to be really careful, at least I used to be that way more than I am now. I think I've, I have received a pretty good healing of this, but it still at times it happens. Because, see, we get high here today. We'll pray for people, man, and we'll get God stories, we'll get real high, and then all of those endorphins and all of that stuff starts coming off the high about Sunday, about four or five o'clock. Please don't ever criticize me on Sunday evening, please. I'm already criticizing myself. For years, it was torturous. I would go home, and I'd think, okay, what did I say? Did I pronounce that word right? Did I, did, did, oh, no, 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 no. That person over there, were they at church? I hope they weren't there, because they're going to think I was talking to them. And I wasn't. I didn't even see them. Oh, I hope they weren't there. Hey, so-and-so, were you at church? Oh, I was there on the third row. Oh, man, they're going to think I was talking to them. And at 2 in the morning, I'll get up. To go get a drink of water or something, I'll go, what did I say? Did I say this? Did I say I did that for years, it was torturous. And I looked in the book, and he does the same thing. Every he to the T. It's all a trick of the enemy. I I think I'm healed of that today, at least 70% or 75% I am. I had to work through it. Now at night, on Sunday night, when I go to bed and I get up to get a glass of water, I'll go, disengage, disengage, disengage. I'll say that word over and over again, disengage, disengage. Don't think, don't think, don't think. Because I take seriously what I do up here. Did I say something that embarrassed somebody? Ah, oh, man. And, and so when I read that in the book, I thought, whoa, him too? That's crazy. But let's apply this to you. See, Rumination, introspection is good to a degree. But like any good thing, if you do it too much, it's bad. Some of you are always thinking, you're thinking too much, like, what did my spouse think today? I mean, what does she mean today when she said that? And you start thinking it through. Do you think she meant maybe, no, I don't think she would do that. Or I don't think he would, what did he mean when he said the secretary had a pretty dress on Monday I wonder what he meant, I wonder, see, this can be dangerous. You're thinking about your job, what what did my boss mean today, does he not like me anymore, is he going to fire me, Uh, you know, you you can do too much of that. I got a word for someone here, and that is, you're being too hard on yourself. A certain amount of introspection is healthy, but if you take it too far, it can destroy you. I'm going to rebuke the spirit of perfectionism in somebody right now. I rebuke the spirit of, 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 the spirit of perfectionism. No one expects you to be perfect, and please don't expect me to be perfect. Please don't. I'm going to make mistakes, like one big one at the end of the service today I'm going to probably make, but I'm going to do it anyway. Let's, let's let each other off the hook, can we? We're, none of us are perfect. Now, rumination is good. Introspection is good. But you have to keep it in check. Number three, he stopped serving and started running. Mm. Who is this for in here today? There's some things happening in your life that you don't understand, and you're running from God instead of running to him. You've given up serving for a while because you say, you know what, I'm just not in a place right now that I should be serving. No, you need to be serving all the more probably. Yeah. Look, look at Paul. Paul's in prison. He's in a bad situation. Look at Philippians 1, 3, through 6, 3, 3 and 6. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, for I'm confident this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it till the day of Jesus Christ. And that's not the exactly verses I wanted off to go back and look. But the point I wanted to make in Philippians was, when Paul's in a bad situation, he's still ministering to others. He's still serving. You don't stop serving. I had something happen to me years ago, and at four in the morning on a Sunday morning, my wife found me just sobbing terribly in my bedroom. And it was something really bad that happened to me. And it had nothing to do with cancer, nothing to do with physical. And my wife said, what are you going to do? She said, You can't preach today. I said, I have to. She said, You can't preach, Ron. Let's call somebody, get somebody else to take your place. This is horrible what's happened to you, and you, you can't do it. And I said, I have to, Debbie. You don't understand. I have to. Just give me a while. And I came out here and preached a sermon. People loved it. They were ministered to. And I felt so much better. Because in giving, I received back. We're just going to touch the fringes today. You can't stop serving because you know why? Emotions will make you do stupid things. And motion creates emotions. Stay focused. Number four, he exaggerated his circumstances. He exaggerated his circumstances. I mean, he felt like everyone was against him when in reality there was one woman against him And she was vindictive, and she was wicked, and she wanted to get back at him. See, so often you think the world's against you because of cancel culture. Oh, we've got to have a whole sermon on that at some point. We cannot fear cancel culture. Okay? If you fear cancel culture, then look in the mirror today because you're looking at someone that will never say anything or do anything of any value at all because they're afraid. We can't be afraid. So often, those people out there that are coming against us, that's the minority, that's not the majority. And if you knew the person sitting behind the computer who was coming against you and getting people, a bunch of people against you, you'd find out that sometimes they're so dysfunctional, no one would have listened to them at all if they weren't behind that computer. Cancel culture. This is the devil's way of saying, shut up, don't say anything that contradicts the way I'm running this world today, and we'll leave you alone. But if you speak up against what's going on in the world, we will cancel you. Well, you know what? Come on, cancel us. That's okay. Life goes on. You got to get thick skin. The Bible says everyone who chooses to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Everybody was live godly. I'm going to be saying things. The whole idea of our podcast is I'm going to get really frank on our podcasts. And I'm going to say things that I probably wouldn't say here. But I'm going to say it on there. And so today we cannot be afraid any longer. If, If the majority of people out there agree with you and praise you, then you're probably on the wrong side. Because the world is being ran by an evil, sinister force called the devil. And his ways are not God's ways. I have more to say. I'm not going to say it all today. Oh, man, I'm already down. I'm way out of time. So uh, let's just cover a couple more real quickly. Uh, He exaggerated his circumstances. Now, what Paul said to Timothy, we need to hear today. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Can we look at this, these last three real quickly? The next PowerPoint is he, 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 he compared his situation to others. You should never do that. I think in, in Elijah's mind, he's going, wait a minute. I need to be afraid because this woman's been killing other prophets and she succeeded in it. If she succeeded killing other prophets of God, why isn't she going to succeed in killing me? Made sense. Sometimes with you, You I got cancer, I got the same cancer that this person had and that person had, so I'm going to go through the same thing that they went through. That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to to start comparing your circumstances to others. When I got leukemia, I was told I was going to die by by UCLA. God specifically gave me Psalms 91.7 because he knew my personality. He said, I don't want you to get up in the comparison trap. He said, you're going to see. A thousand fall to your right side, and you're going to see 10,000 fall. You're going to see thousands die to the same disease you have, but it's not going to happen to you because I have a different plan for you. You're unique. You know, you have to learn that no no two circumstances are exactly the same. So don't follow this trap. It will limit your creative praying and thinking. Go to God and ask for him to give you counsel concerning your situation. It's not like everybody else's. You look at the statistics. Well, everybody with this cancer, 90% death rate with this cancer. Well, you're not everyone. You're a child of God. You're not in those stats, okay? You're not in them. You're different. And then the sixth one, he isolated himself instead of insulating himself. Ah. Uh, let, let's play another clip here real quick. I'm, I'm in deep water anyway, so play it real quick by Josh, real quick here.
0: When you are, and, and like I said, I've, I went through a lot. I was uh, diagnosed with severe depression th- this year, which I didn't expect to be diagnosed with. And um, I spent weeks in counseling for it, and uh, I spoke to multiple uh, therapists. And, and, you know, you think when you're going through a dark time, you feel alone and isolated and you feel isolated and you feel like you're the only one going through it and everyone else is happy. You know, you open up Instagram, which I quit this year. Uh, you open up uh, Facebook, which I haven't quit yet, but I might, uh, you open up, uh, you know, YouTube and all you see is happy people. All you see is encouraging people. But the truth is, that's, that's a performance, or it, it's a, uh, a moment in time where they were happy and they shared that. But the truth is, we all go through lonely moments. Mm-hmm. But up at the men's retreat, I started talking to guys, and they would share their story with me, I would share my story with them, and it's like, oh, well, me too. We're yeah, all me too. We're, we're all going through it.
1: We have to insulate ourselves. We have to have a team around us. The Bible said, we already read it, confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. Why did God ask Elijah, what are you doing here? Do you think God didn't know what he was doing there? Anybody think God didn't know what he was doing there? God knew what he was doing there. God said, I need you to start talking it out. I need you to start talking it out. There's something about talking it out Taking these things inside of us that we're living with and talking them out. Being able to tell some of these prayer warriors in front today, say, I just I don't even know you, but I, I, I assume you wouldn't be up here if you were not trustworthy. I have this fear of dying. I need to talk to somebody. He'll say, I'll hook you up with Pastor Ron. I'll hook you up with this person. We'll get you in. But he said, I can't start a healing journey till I get you to talk it out. If you know it's wrong, talk it out. And because I'm so much out of time, I'll have to come back to that one. Let's do the last one, and I'm out of here. He needed to slow down, slow down, needed to get some rhythm. I told somebody the other day that was going through depression and a hard time, I said, how much caffeine do you drink? Oh, I drink it all the time. Do you realize, I said, that it takes 10 hours for caffeine to get out of your system? If you're drinking that stuff at night, you're never, you're never relaxing. What's your caffeine intake when you are not living with rhythm? And if you're living too fast, you'll do stupid things that will embarrass you. Here's why I'm going to live dangerously. The guy went in to a sandwich shop the other day and got a sandwich, and here's on it, what's on it, look. He got that sandwich. He went through the drive-thru. He said, not today, devil. Not today. You said the wrong thing to the wrong person. I'm going in there. This is going to be settled right now. He went and said, hey, who, who gave me this sandwich? Who, get over Get over what, what do you mean by this? She said, didn't you order bacon, lettuce, tomato with cheese? I'm going to go home at 2 o'clock in the morning. i must say, did you really say that? You're just one step away from doing stupid things all the time. It'll mess your life up and embarrass you. Slow down. Slow down. I've been learning. It took me 40 years to learn. I'm going to tell them right now, don't send it till tomorrow. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're going to continue. We're overtime. Are you OK? But we had a good time today, right? <clears> Father God, bless us. Sanctify the series. If you're not saved, you've never given your life to God, just simply come up here, go to your bathroom, get in your car, and say, Father, Holy, send your Holy Spirit come and live in my body and give me the strength I need to serve God. That's all you got to do in then Start following God, all right? Love you. See you here, there, in the air.
0: Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our love.